and welcome to this episode of the ESG Fitness Podcast. Oh, I was going to say this Q&A episode. I've absolutely ruined it. Anyway, this is a Q&A episode. I have the incredible Andy and Catherine with me today to answer some questions from the Commit to Six group, which was very enjoyable and very insightful, I think. And I just popped on here to say, oh, I've done many lives today. I've done many back-to-back calls today. And I feel a little bit strange. Maybe a bad time to record an an intro, but I've started now. And I wanted to tell you that you can now sign up to the next intake of Commit 6 at esgfitness.co.uk forward slash Commit 6. I hope you have incredible days and I hope you enjoy this episode. I'll stop saying anything now. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. Okay, right. Hi, hi everyone. Welcome to this live and episode of the podcast. If you're listening on the podcast. Also, if you're listening on the podcast. Oh God, I do this every time, don't I? Very sorry. Just not very on it today. Um, Yeah, if you're listening on the podcast, you can now sign up to the next intake of Commit to Six. ESGfitness.co.uk forward slash commit to six. But we're actually here to answer some questions. Excellent questions this week. Uh, so first one is, who wants to be question master? Do you want me to, to try this week? <laughs> hey, why don't you try? I'll try. <laughs> um, so first one, this is going to be a bit too much information. Never too much information. So when I'm due on and during my period, it plays havoc with my digestive system if you get my drift this could be more aggravated by an increase in protein also or could this be aggravated by an increase in protein also interested as to why this happens if anyone knows uh i i think it's something to do with fluctuating hormones and estrogen receptors in certain places and that changing your digestion slightly i think it's actually really common andy if you're not aware it's uh, a lot of women get constipated during their period. Or the opposite. Oh, yeah, yeah, or the opposite. Yes. Or, you know, sometimes both. <laughs> so much fun. Is that, not just nor- is that not just normal if you have both? No, but like both, but like one, you know, like... A day at a time. Yeah, not at the same time both, but both. Not fun, not fun. I think it's like, is it not to do with like contractions around the uterus and because they're so close to your intestines and it kind of squeezes on in your intestines as well. I'm pretty sure I've read that somewhere before. It makes sense. It's plausible. Um, but I think largely we just know that hormones have a big role in many things and that has obviously has an impact there as well. Could it be exacerbated by increased protein? probably but then that's kind of like saying anything could have an impact on anything so yeah I'm sure it could be um it wouldn't be something that I would recommend someone change if you know if you were like oh the week before my period I really struggled with constipation I wouldn't be like well reduce the amount of protein you're eating for that week I don't think that's going to make any difference because it's not the root cause of the problem you probably noticed that wouldn't you because if you're increasing your protein you're not doing it just at the time of your time of the month you're doing it across the course of the month so you would notice these changes throughout the month rather than just one week so yeah yeah I guess the point is it could exacerbate it further yeah I don't think that and really uh, with a lot of these things not really anything you can do about it 
Mm. Apart from just be like, okay, well, this is uncomfortable, but it's going to pass in a couple of days when my period comes or leaves. The my wife, um, we're still saying that my wife, um, she's finds that at that at the time of month is she needs to increase her water because that also seems to. Sorry, I thought you were going to really inappropriately be like. Yeah, my wife gets really constipated at the time. I was like, I don't know if that's your news to share. <laughs> okay. No, she she finds if she, she needs to keep her water high at a time of month to help her to, to stay regular as well. So just mm. little bits and bobs like that. Yeah, maybe increased water. Always a good thing. I always feel a lot warmer around my time of the month. Like, I don't know if that has anything to do with like increased thirst or something. I don't know. Yeah, I could do. I mean, it's yeah totally normal to be to be hotter before or during your period and and that's one of the slight benefit like the only little silver lining when people are like oh you know I'm always a little bit more hungry the week of my period or when I say a little bit I mean like I'm always ravenously more hungry the week before my period and we do end up usually burning a little bit more energy the week before our period so our calorie um expenditure is a little bit higher unfortunately it's the equivalent to probably about 50 to 120 calories a day or something so it's not like oh my god I'm burning so many more calories I can just eat whatever I want but it is related to that increased thermogenesis and increased heat production so yeah have maybe you have yeah or like depending half a milky way mm, yeah Treat yourself couple of Maltesers done yeah Okay, next question. How does committed work and how often do workouts change? So committed is the continuation of commit to six. So you get the exact same support, but continued. The only real changes are it moves to a direct debit. It is marginally cheaper per week or works out cheaper. And your check-ins are now on a Wednesday, not on a weekend and your workouts will change every six weeks and that's because as opposed to every three weeks on commit six and that's because you're a little bit more um experienced now and you can benefit from doing the same workouts for a longer period of time and you still get benefit from them to be honest you like even six weeks is a relatively short period of time to stick to one training program uh so that's why we program like that. But now that you've got that bit more experience, having been through the first six weeks, it's a really good idea to actually give a training program long enough to work. I know this is something you talk about quite a lot, Andy, and do you want to add anything on that? Yeah, I think it's um, it's a bit of a common misconception. I think there's still a lot about this. I don't know if you remember this, Emma. Do you remember chaos theory about... Just muscle to keep the muscle guessing muscle confused yeah keep the muscle guessing confuse the muscle like confuse like what are you talking about but like i think everybody seemed to think that hitting muscles at different angles and all over the place and just keeping it guessing got more benefits but actually structure and routine is where you you benefit the most from your training and um, if you structure in a set of lifts and you're progressively overloading um that's where you're getting the volume through your session to be able to build muscle. If you're randomly putting lifts in left, right, and center, you never get that opportunity to progress to see if you're getting stronger to then build more muscle from 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 doing it that way. So yeah, um, your body your body craves routine. 
when it comes to that kind of stuff. It, it likes structure with training. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, it's much easier to see progress as well. And I think we often forget and overcomplicate training. Like your muscle doesn't know what you're doing. It senses a stimulus that yeah. you're creating. And this is why, you know, all of the good programs have very similar lifting because the basics are the basics because they work. And actually, sometimes we're adding in things just to make things a little bit more exciting. And the reason that we change workouts every six weeks isn't because they've stopped working. It's because you're probably going to get a little bit bored after six weeks. And mm. then that gives you a bit of a refresh and motivation is as important as anything else. And if you're like, oh, I'm really excited about this new training program I'm doing and I'm motivated to do it that's important for adherence but could the same workout be like um, create incredible results for potentially years yeah if you can progressively overload with it i.e either add reps or add weight you can do the exact same workout for years and get incredible results i think currently my training program if i had to look at my training diary i think i've been doing the same program now for eight months I'm still progressively overloaded. So, yeah, it's, you know, there is there is no reason to change it bar the fact that, especially as a newbie, you probably find that you get bored and most of the people who come on to commit are kind of starting afresh um, in certain ways. So, like, having that little bit of a, a, an added stimulus three weeks in is quite nice. But the more you understand, the more that we hopefully educate you, the more you, you, you realise that actually the... Um, longevity of training is about keeping the same lifts in keeping progressing them and working from there agreed sweet the next one isn't a question um it's one from allison so she says this is more of an observation than a question sharing in case it's useful for anyone else i've been surprised at how conflicted i feel moving from fat loss to maintenance without hitting the exact arbitrary scale weights i originally set myself I'm literally 0.2 kilograms or half a pound off it and found myself wondering if I should continue until I hit the magic number or until the magic number was my average over the week. Now that I understand how much the scales fluctuate, it seems a bit of a meaningless dilemma. What I found really helpful was to go back to my whys. Why do I want to lose extra weight now? Hilariously, I couldn't name a single reason. I feel really good about myself. I'm healthy and getting stronger. All of my clothes fit. I like how my body looks. Plus, one of my daughters is very weight conscious, and I want to make sure I model the right behaviors that she can learn from. So that's it. I'm climbing aboard the maintenance train. Is there one, by the way? And embracing the new phase with a positive mindset and lots of gratitude to your, you fabulous coaches for the journey so far. That's phenomenal. Mm -hmm. I think it's such a good point to make as well, that we have these, do you know what? A weight goal with that mindset is kind of fine like a weight goal bracket, like we're not, we're not massive fans of weight goals, but if you're like, do you know what, somewhere around 65 kilograms, whatever it is for you would work for me, but to keep dieting for 0.2 kilograms for absolutely no reason makes zero sense whatsoever. And I think that's the way that you get out of that is to be like, hey, what's my why? Like, let's come back to my why. And I really like, this was an ex-client of mine that told me this story and I probably said it on the podcast before, but I can't remember if I have. And it's about um, her taking her dog to dog training classes. And it was like puppy training school. And at the end of this, like eight week puppy training, like the dog was 
good did all the sitting did all the stuff that you'd want a puppy to be able to do and then on the day of like the puppy training exams it didn't pass the exam right so what she didn't get was the piece of paper that said like you've passed puppy training but when you take a step back and you could see that as a failure but when you take a step back and you're like I have got everything that I wanted out of this i.e a well-trained dog why does it matter that I don't have this piece of paper that has a little certificate on it and it's kind of the same as with scale weight it's like actually you've realized that you've got everything that you wanted and you haven't hit the scale weight but who cares what the scale weight is it's like and literally no one would know if you just if you just said oh yeah I've hit my goal weight now I've hit that 0.2 kilograms under like it doesn't matter in the slightest and actually you probably could do that if you just didn't drink some water for most of the day and then wage yourself at lunchtime like you've probably hit that you can very easily do that, but there's absolutely no point doing it. And then you just realize kind of how stupid it is to fixate on such little minor details that have nothing to do with the real why as to what you're doing. Like you don't, you don't join puppy training to get a piece of laminated paper that says you've passed. You join to get a trained dog, which is what you've got. That's, that's why um, I know that me and you have spoken previously about people doing weight loss, like transformation competitions. Like, what's the what's the benefit from that? Like, you know, you're yeah, you might if you win it, great, but that then means that there's a whole bunch of losers as well. And like, the whole thing isn't about losing; it's about it's the journey to get to where you need to be. It's about the education. So the same thing with the puppy class, like. Yeah, you've not got your bit of paper, but look at the education that you... To be fair, puppy class is actually more about educating the owner rather than the dog. But it's, um, you know, it's you... The learning that you've made over the, the time that you've been doing that is going to be massive about stepping forward and keeping forward momentum. So... Uh, yes. 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 Next one. Um, do you have any tips for managing to hit workouts or steps when you have to isolate with a toddler? We're waiting for PCR results for my son and it's thrown off my steps today. It's likely to throw things off tomorrow too. And if we get a positive result, then that's going to be a challenge too. When he's down for naps slash in bed, I'll need to catch up on work. Why don't you start on that one? Because we've spoken already. <laughs> yeah, no worries. Um, I would say if it's only going to be a few days, don't massively worry about not being able to hit your workouts in your steps it's a temporary situation that you're in like you're not going to be like that hopefully you're not going to be in that situation for weeks and weeks and weeks it's going to be a few days um and just get in what what you can really even if it's shorter workouts you might want to think about like if you can squeeze in like 10 minutes here or there just to do like a set of push-ups and squats um it doesn't have to be full-blown workouts and you could even do like some steps on the spot what is it the fit with rick yeah lots of people Cute love thing yeah <laughs> just embrace the cringe of that um but yeah I would say don't panic if it's a temporary situation yeah I agree I think even if you have to accept that hey maybe you can't hit steps but you can get a lower step count and maybe you're not going to do full workouts but you're going to get something done um and you're going to stay on track with your nutrition what is it like even if your son has COVID hopefully he's fine and he doesn't but that means like 10 days it's not the end of the world in in the bigger picture but it's how you respond to that that matters so you might not have the perfect 10 days or the 10 days that you had initially imagined but can you still do the best in the situation you're in 
and make sure that you're managing your stress levels and also not like for some people the best in that situation if they don't have any other life stresses might be that they can still get 10,000 steps walking around their house and they can still do workouts so there's no need to change but it also might be that you've got a really unwell child you're still trying to manage your work which is increased now because you're trying to work at home and you've got other stresses going on and actually that's not plausible so what can you do and what is manageable and I would say write a plan like I can't emphasize enough how beneficial it is to sit down and write something down and and Andy I think one of your clients just had a bit of a freak out in the group feeling really overwhelmed and she does have a lot of stuff going on but and I think I mean part of the benefit of just messaging you is that she forced she was forced to write all of that down and I, I imagine she's already feeling better having written that down but you know you can do that for yourself you can write it down you can journal through it and when I say that, I, th- I think there's still this like barrier up to journaling. It's like, I wouldn't know what to write. Well, there's a great place to start. What's stressing you? Why do you feel overwhelmed? Write yeah. that down. There's no right or wrong to journaling. You don't have to be hugely introspective. Like, I think that was a barrier to me initially because I'm quite like logical, rational. I was like, well, what's like, what's the productive outcome of this? And actually sometimes it is really productive. It's like writing down what needs to be done, what doesn't need to be done, what's important, what isn't important what you're stressing about and is making you feel anxious and why it's making you feel that way and if you want to allow it to make you feel that way or if you want to move on from that and also often like what's that saying about you or about like some underlying insecurities that you have or underlying other worries that you have because sometimes all of these things are kind of interlinked and that's what I really think the benefit of journaling is is that you work through these things and it will make you feel so much better and then at the end of that you come up with a bit of a plan here's what I can control, here's what I'm going to action, the rest of it I have to accept is out of my control and you know I know that's easier said than done just to be like if you can't control it just don't think about it, unrealistic but now that you've written it all down it's not going anywhere and you're actioning what you can action and that's all you can do. Totally and you know what like a bit of a reframe as well and going back to Andy's point earlier about like enjoying the journey is you know, like maybe this is a situation that you can also learn from, like things are going to happen in life like this, like there's going to be times where you're not, you're not well, or like something happens that stops you being able to do these things, but like use it as a, a learning curve as well. And it will set you up to be in a stronger position the next time anything happens. I agree. And also sometimes it gives you, you know, we obviously spoke about this a lot in the last couple of years about life-changing but you know one door shuts and another door kind of opens and it's not always the way that you wanted it to go but there are huge benefits uh I've been well Catherine and I have been looking through the questionnaire about menopause which I will come back and do a podcast on and a few other things as well but a lot of it uh and I'm actually going to do the next solo one I'm going to do is about a fear of aging a little bit because a lot of things that came up were kind of kind of about that and it would have been interesting because we only asked for people going through menopause or postmenopausal because we wanted more information on their experiences but I've spoken to a lot of people because we've been speaking about that recently and there's so much fear of the menopause and fear of things that like we can't really control and I think if you take that as an example and just think okay what can I control here I can make sure I'm exercising well I can make sure I'm looking after my health I can make sure I'm you know, fueling my body with good food and looking after, I already said health, but health. (laughs) And 
and what can't I control what I'm going to face when I go through the menopause like those are things that you can't control but you can put yourself in the best position to deal with that if that does occur (laughs) and this is something that when I worked in cancer rehab was really big in relation to exercise in like remission I guess um is that one of the most motivating things for people was this is something that I can control like I can't control if my cancer is going to come back or not but I can control how fit and healthy I am to deal with more treatment if that is what is going to happen and the change in people's attitude when they felt like they had some power over that is huge because yeah when you feel like you can't control anything you're almost you just sit back and kind of let life happen you know whereas even if there's an element of yeah but this is something that you can do this is something that you can put your energy into that's like that's really empowering I think great next one um (laughs) same person um, me again jabbering on about periods is there anything you think could be consumed food slash vitamin wise to manage changes in mood thank you um in relation to your period I actually did I write something on this okay so there's a small impact that protein can like some people argue this that like eat more protein it'll improve your mood And there is a rationale for this. So um, some of the amino acids, which are the building blocks of protein, play an important role in the formation of neurotransmitters. So for example, L-tyrosine is especially important to produce dopamine. And we know that dopamine is the quote unquote feel good neurotransmitter. Um, and, And we do also observe that low dopamine is often associated with depression and other mental health conditions uh and in fact some of the medication for mental health conditions acts by increasing dopamine levels or increasing sensitivity to dopamine however saying that that all sounds good and you're like well well then more protein more l-tyrosine more dopamine bam i'll just feel great the problem with this and this is this happens a lot in fitness is in theory that's great but there's always a saturation point to these things. It's the same as thinking, if I just eat more protein, I'll just build exponentially more muscle. Yeah, okay, but, but it saturates. And that's why we're always like, have at least 25 grams of protein with a meal because that saturates muscle protein synthesis. Now, I've thought about this a little bit and I think that I would imagine the benefit of protein in relation to L-tyrosine and increasing dopamine would be saturated at, ridiculously low protein levels like even if you weren't trying to get in protein I imagine that that benefit is going to already be saturated partly because our tyrosine isn't an essential amino acid so the body can synthesize it from other amino acids which means I doubt it would ever get to a stage where there wasn't enough available um yeah so I mean some people argue protein but that's kind of the rationale for it and I don't think I mean there's loads of reasons to eat more protein but I don't think that's probably going to be one of them um other things that can impact mood maybe b12 deficiency and energy but again if you're not a very strict vegan you're probably getting in enough b12 so I doubt that that would have much impact and then people will argue as well like carbohydrates and increased serotonin 
but actually eating anything that's pleasurable will increase those like feel good um hormones quite short-lived you're you're probably looking there at more like pleasure versus increased mood which I think are very different like something can be pleasurable in the moment but doesn't necessarily mean it's gonna have a long-term increase in your mood especially if it's taking you away from your goals like you might you might think that I don't know eating more chocolate the week before your period would increase your mood but I mean try it and see if it does for you but it also might mean that it's much harder for you to stick to your diet and actually your mood's decreased because you're further from your goals at the moment uh so long convoluted way of saying I don't think so anyone else have any thoughts Mm, maybe more around like accepting that your mood might change around your periods and again it's like going back to the whole temporary situation it's you're not going to feel like that forever and like we all get really bad pms well some of us get bad pms and like uh, andy's always struggling yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> um, i'm a nightmare um, stay away from andy at his time of the month yeah one thing i will say is that when a lot of people look for comfort in food what i think is underrated is where you're looking for that comfort and it might be around the food so for example whenever I don't feel great about anything really one thing that makes me feel better is going home and having a nice meal with my parents but it's not really got anything and like the food does play a role in that like it's normally like lovely home-cooked food by my dad but really it's the being at home around people I love that like that's the comfort it's not necessarily the food so that's maybe something to consider a little bit as well um saying that I actively avoid seeing my parents like when I have PMS (laughs) because you know that's just not a great time and I don't want to be rude I I think it's a very easy time to slip back into like teenage you like like, just a bit of a knob really so I just try to keep myself to myself I'm not even coming up my room yeah yeah exactly like oh mom yeah that awesome uh next one from shannon um morning lovely coaches it isn't actually morning anymore is it um question re training i am not getting doms as much these days i am new to lifting i'm not new to lifting does that mean i am not training hard enough i feel like i am as weights are slowly increasing or am i just getting better at recovery um it's just something that I've been pondering oh she used to overtrain as well yeah doms isn't uh doms can never be used as a or should never be used as a measure for how good your lifting session is um you know there are certain body parts that I'll train and I just don't get doms in them anymore and I probably never did Um, and then other ones where I'll train quite light and be really dobby but it doesn't mean that I've had a good session doesn't mean I've had a bad session I think you maybe find that if you're um, if you're fueling properly, you're getting all your recovery protocols right, that actually you're probably alleviating DOMS a bit quicker as well. So, you know, you, it, it, you could potentially look at that as that you're ticking all boxes. So don't don't think that you need to have DOMS as a, a sort of badge of honour that you've had a good training session because it doesn't really, it, that doesn't equate to what you've done. Provided that you're pushing the intensity through your session, provided you're still making progressive overload during your sessions, um, that's all you can ask for. And that's, you look at your performance goals, making sure that your volume 
total across your sessions is start is still increasing, that's more important than worrying if you're sore or not. I totally agree. Yeah, yeah. I think you're nailing it. I, uh, I think it sounds like you're doing really well. As Andy's saying, it's a really poor marker of whether your session was effective or not. If anything, if you're a experienced lifter who's always experiencing DOMS, it probably means that either you're doing something maybe like CrossFit that changes all the time so your body can't adapt to anything um, or that you're just not recovering very well. So I would say it's actually a pretty good sign that you're not getting DOMS a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. Next one from Sophie. Also curious on your thoughts on reconciling imperfect action versus being consistent. I'm aware I have some work stuff coming up and social things with dinners, and I know on occasion we should just enjoy the thing and move on. But at what point does this become a risk of throwing off consistency? Okay. <clears throat> These are two different concepts. So imperfect action isn't like the opposite of consistency it actually should allow you to be more consistent and what I would say in this situation is the point of imperfect action is to encourage you to do the best you can in the situation you're in but own your actions and own your results and don't expect to get results from the work that you didn't do like if you're going out for meals all the time the likelihood and you're like going over your calories that's something we need to change and I've spoken about this a little bit before where you'll see this a lot on social media that on a Monday someone will be like doesn't matter what you've eaten this weekend you still deserve to feel yourself or like don't shame yourself if you've overeaten this weekend 100% agree with these like great and sometimes they're really needed for people on a Monday but if you're overeating every single weekend, the answer isn't just to forgive yourself on Monday, it's to review what you're doing and where you're going wrong and how you can avoid overeating every single weekend. Like the answer isn't to shame yourself into change, but it is to be like, huh, okay, over time, these actions aren't conducive to the results I want. I need to own this and I need to change this. Uh, and I don't think, I think they're kind of two separate concepts. And really for imperfect action for me isn't a reason to allow yourself to go off track. It's more the aim is to be able to create more consistency for you and to stop you creating these unrealistic expectations and giving up every single time you're not exactly perfect and then using it as an excuse to give up because you couldn't stick exactly to the meal plan because you were going out. So there's no point doing anything and then you overeat and then the cycle continues imperfect action allows you to work harder that's the whole point behind it 80 percent of something's better than 100 percent of nothing and that's that's ink they they tie in very nicely the whole idea exactly as emma said oh there, andy though that's such a good quick so what do you say 80 percent of something is better than 20 percent of nothing 100 percent of nothing. Oh, sorry okay 80 percent of something is better than better than 100 percent of nothing and then you have to say but don't expect to get the results you would have got from 100% if you're only putting in 80%. Yeah. And it's fine to get the 80% results, but don't have those expectations of like, I should be getting the same results as if I put in 100% effort if you're only putting in 80% effort. Yeah, I think the, the, the you know, the, the imperfect action thing, something that, you know, we, we are, is one of the mantras that we use. And it's, it's a very important one when the fact that 
so many people come from a place of all or nothing and it has to be it's, if it's not perfect it just goes out the fucking window and that's not how it works you know being imperfect and being consistently imperfect is going to get you the results you need as well so and it's about you know exactly as you said as well you know the whole thing is about it's about adulting yourself as well realizing that the the actions that you're putting in place are are um going to affect the results at the end of the, that you want at the end of the day and sometimes you just need to put as i always say pull on the adult pants and understand that well you might need to pull the finger out a little bit and get stuff done yeah yeah i think it's like a bit of a misconception isn't it like people think of perfectionism as 100 percent, and it's not it's more like a barrier to 100 percent. yeah yeah because most people will be like oh, that's unrealistic i won't even start or i'm not going to start until i can be this is the most common one we get for people signing up to commit to six. Oh, I've got a wedding at some point within the six weeks. So I'll just wait till the next six weeks because I won't be able to be perfect this time. And I'm like, that is literally the whole point is that you're not putting your life on hold. The whole point is that you'll never be perfect. You can't ever be perfect. You'd have to have the most boring life in the world to not have anything on for six weeks. And that's not the point anyway. Like you'd actually learn less if you had six weeks of nothing than if you were like, I'm going to live my life while I'm getting results during the six weeks, even though I'm moving house and I've got a wedding and I've got loads of social occasions. That's why like this intake, the December intake, we're always so impressed by because they're like, I'm not putting it off till January. I'm starting now. Like I'm starting mid-December. Like that's phenomenal. I love, like that's, that is that's a winning mindset and that's like an imperfect action mindset that's someone who doesn't put off till tomorrow something that they could start today and I'd say like if there's a couple of key attributes to success like that's one of them for sure I think the thing here is is that this has been don't view imperfect action how people used to view if it fits your macros it's not an excuse to go fucking mental and just eat whatever you want and do whatever you fancy and shit do whatever you fancy regardless like imperfect action that's not what imperfect action is imperfect action is just getting stuff done even when the odds are against you getting it all done properly you may as well still get as much of it done and it will still tick as many boxes as you can for that day and you know that's what you're that's all you can really ask of yourself especially because you know look at things at the moment you know people are back to work after christmas and new year you've got this COVID variant going through the, through it like an absolute plague, like one in two people have got it. It's crazy. So all you just need to do is just do what you can. That's what imperfect action is. Yeah. And I think when you really start to realise that you really don't need to do the extra like 20% that would make something perfect. Like if we look at this in workouts or even if we look at this in steps, like doing... 8,000 steps is going to get you incredible results. Doing the extra 20% to get 10,000 steps, like the difference between 8,000 and 10,000 steps isn't that big. Like that's what imperfect action is. It's realizing that, yeah, like most weeks I can get that, but even on the weeks I can't, I'm still, instead of thinking I can't get 10,000, so I'm just going to do three. Yeah. Still thinking I'm going to get eight because that is doable for me this week that's the difference and that's why you get better results doing it because you don't just give up on the weeks that you can't do it but yeah really what I want to get like hammer home the point here is that 
taking the principle of imperfect action makes you work harder, not less hard. I think that's like a weird concept to get your head around, but that's how it works. <laughs> and then us as coaches as well, we're here to like call you out on your shit if you are like kind of taking it a bit too far with your with what you think is imperfect action. So like the fact that you have our support is yeah. And I think having someone call you out is important and doing it for yourself is as well. Um, and most of our messaging is often around like keep going because it, especially with things like scale weight, all oh, the scales haven't gone down. Have you been consistent for two weeks? Well, no, not really. And it's like, okay, well, we just need to be consistent and be a little bit more patient, but there does come a point. And this is, I would say this is on a more like macro scale. And I would say that because often it, when you need to call yourself out, it's continuous yo-yo dieting. So it's continuously trying to stick to something really unrealistic and it not working and then trying it again and again and again and not calling yourself out like what I'm doing isn't working. So I need to change the way that I'm doing it. And I think sometimes people are like, I don't know, maybe telling themselves that they just need to be more patient. And actually sometimes it is that you need to change like if something isn't working for a long enough period of time it's because you're not doing the right things like it's because we need to make change and that's why you've got coaches right to make sure that you are placing your efforts where they're going to get the most reward and that you're not unnecessarily making things harder for yourself or tripping yourself up by creating unrealistic expectations but sometimes it's calling yourself out and being like Jay, what if I want those results I do need to work harder yeah uh, one more from Sophie. Um, standing desks, thoughts, good for neat. Um, they're good for metabolic health, but they're probably not particularly good for neat. Um, so anyone who's listening is like, what's neat? Non-exercise activity, thermogenesis. So essentially the question is, will I burn significantly more calories standing up than sitting down? And the answer is unfortunately not really no. But what has been shown to be beneficial to metabolic health is doing some work standing up and then doing some sitting down and doing some like basically a bit of movement. And one of the independent um, contributors to your or to poor metabolic health outcomes is prolonged periods of time sedentary. So if you can break that up by doing like one meeting standing up and then you're writing notes on it sitting down and then you're going to stand up again for something else that's really really useful but is it going to expend a hell of a lot more calories probably not and then I'd say actually it's potentially very good for posture as well or like back pain which a lot of people struggle with if they're sitting on their desk all day so yeah unfortunately not massive on neat but I would say still worth doing um, next one. Is there a difference between time restricted feeding and fasting? I've not been eating till around 12 slash 1pm as I'm typically not hungry first thing. Then I'm busy and I like to have a bigger meal on an evening so it works better for my calories. At work yesterday, I had a coffee and someone mentioned breakfast and I said I don't really eat it. And they said, oh, if you're fasting, you shouldn't have milk in your coffee. It breaks the fast. But I'm not fasting, am I? I'm just eating later. Hope that makes sense. So many. I, like I was having that conversation in my head. I so was many like, yeah. caveats and just fucking nausea shit when it comes to stuff like fasting and bloody time related eating and stuff. 
if it works for you, the only the only thing I would say is, is that something like that, if you want to get protein in, maybe getting a pro, something protein-based in at breakfast to get your 25 grams in to help muscle protein synthesis, got that one in one. Um, but that's probably your, prob, that would be the sort of only downside I would have on that. Um, but like I, I'll put my hands up, like I don't fast, but what I do is I'll keep the bulk of my calories for later on in the day, especially when I'm sort of bringing myself into a cut, but I will have like a protein shake in the morning, which is calories. It would technically break a fast, but I'm not fasting. I'm working my calories to what fits me and to what fits my day, to what fits my schedule. And that's all you really need to worry about it. So the problem is, is you've got a whole host of magazine read um, enthusiasts who all think that they know what they're talking about. Um, and we, I shared one into the, the commit WhatsApp group earlier on about, uh, I think it was from Women's Health actually, when a doctor claimed that a pound of, mu pound of muscle weighs more than a pound of fat, which just makes no fucking sense whatsoever. Six line into the article and I'm out. So, yeah. Yeah, that's bad. Like, it's just like saying a pound weighs more than a pound. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, I, the age, it's the age old riddle of what weighs more a pound of leather, a pound of feathers. Like, they weigh the same because they're both a friggin' pound. It's, mm. it's in the bloody, it's in what we're saying. But yeah, yeah. The, whole, the fasting kind of thing, like, people claim that it's, um, people claim that it's got humongous benefits. For some, there are some benefits to it. But, you know, for somebody who's potentially just wanting to lose a bit of body fat, is it going to make a huge amount of difference? Probably not. So find something that works for you. This is the whole, the whole idea of anything towards nutrition and training is about finding what works for you. Manipulating it and changing it if things start to slow down or if they don't work for you anymore, you try to change things just to sort of give yourself a little bit more stimulus. But yeah, keep it simple. Don't don't stress about it yeah i think the, the the question to ask yourself here is what benefit are you looking for yeah and it sounds to me like you're getting the benefit of the way that you're eating because it works for you like you said this is just how i enjoy eating if you want to have some milk in your coffee in the morning like technically you won't be fasted but doesn't matter in the slightest because really what you're doing is managing your calories in a way that you enjoy eating them and is sustainable for you if you want to call that time-restricted feeding, if you want to call that simply not really having a big breakfast and just having a coffee and then eating later on, call it that, it's less catchy. But I think I'm similar to Andy. Like I used to eat similar to this person where I would normally just have a coffee in the morning and then I'd have like an early lunch, I guess, that would like technically, you know, be my first meal. And then when I was like, actually, I would quite like to build some more muscle. So I'm going to put myself in the optimum position to do that. That's going to mean having an extra protein serving in the morning. It doesn't have to change anything. Like it's, I think one of the benefits to me was I, I was so much more productive, not having breakfast, but the productivity wasn't not eating. It was not faffing around the kitchen, not making something that was like time consuming, not yeah. using any brain energy to think oh what will I have for breakfast this morning or oh I forgot to get eggs I'll have to go and get them that's taken half an hour out of my day and blah, blah 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 that was the reason I was more productive so if I was like right I'm just gonna have the same breakfast I'm just gonna have a shake 
doesn't matter that I've, I'm not fasted. Like it's taking no brain power to do that. And that's why you're more productive. So if you want to optimize your chances of building as much muscle as possible, then yeah, I wouldn't have prolonged periods where, especially after like an overnight fast, where you've been asleep fast, whatever, where you've not eaten. And then prolonging that to like lunchtime doesn't make much sense. Whether it would make like a huge difference, quite debatable in itself, but you're kind of edging your bets there and, and giving yourself the best chance. Okay, next one. Um, finally below 50 kilograms, 50 at 48.9 this morning. Absolutely loving listening to your podcasts as they have completely freed me of many unhelpful thoughts. My goal is to get to 47 kilograms and hover around there. My question is, am I, I'm, am I, I am going to South Africa for over three weeks and I really want to. Indulge. Am I going to South Africa? I don't know. You guys I don't me. know, babe. I don't know. Depends on, depends on restrictions. <laughs> um, for over three weeks and I really want to indulge a little while away. Previously, I would have tried to get below a goal weight to allow wriggle, woo, wiggle womb, <laughs> wiggle womb. <laughs> You've been drinking. And this is why I don't. <laughs> Catherine's been on the afternoon champagne. <laughs> How did you know? <laughs> um, then slightly over restrict for around a week when I get back. Is this okay to do? Wait, I got confused with the question. She's going away. Overindulge and then restrict when she comes back. Um, yeah, so previously I would have tried to get below a goal weight to allow wiggle womb. Well, wiggle womb. Ah, uh, <laughs> yeah. Womb. And then Jonathan, what? Oh, yeah, um, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't give yourself the wiggle womb. I'm also a little bit like that's very light. I know that some people are short, but I just still think that's quite light. So, yeah, um, let us know how tall you are. And yeah, like go and enjoy South Africa. That sounds like an amazing experience. And then realize as well that like body fat levels are meant to fluctuate. That's literally how we've been designed to live. If you put on a little bit of body fat for a couple of weeks, however long you're there, and then you come back and you want to lose some again, then you just change some of your behaviors. Like these are the tools we're giving you. And you've just proven to yourself that you can do that because you've just lost body fat. So what's the worst case scenario? You put on a couple of pounds of body fat again, then we just lose it again. Like, and that's going to be your life for the rest of your life now. Like, this is the whole aim is that you reach maintenance. Maintenance isn't staying at the exact same body composition for the rest of your life. It's accepting that fluctuations happen. It's accepting that Christmas, like Christmas might happen, or you've got an extremely stressful time and maybe you're eating a little bit more, or you just have a lot of holidays coming up and you put on a little bit of body fat, like totally fine, but you're not going to jump back onto a diet. You're just going to be like, oh, okay, I put on like if it, uh, this is how I live, basically, if I put on a couple of pounds, I'm like, oh, a little bit uncomfortable. I'll just change slight things in my diet. And when I say slight things, it's like not having as much pasta in my evening meal. That might be all I change. And then making sure that actually, oh, I've noticed my step count's gone down to about 8,000. I'm going to get that up above uh, 10,000 again. That those are the changes. And then after a couple of weeks, oh, look, my body weight's gone down a little bit or my body fat's gone down a little bit that like that's all that needs to happen once you reach this maintenance phase and you're not you've got yourself out of this all or nothing mentality so yeah you might put on a little bit of weight on holiday if you choose to do that again your actions your choices your results own them and then 
we decide what to do when you get back if you need to lose some more body fat or want to lose some more body fat. Yeah. Did you did you say about restricting when she came back? Yeah, then slightly over restrict yeah. for the week when don't, I get back. Yeah, as Emma said, don't think about doing the over restriction stuff because mm-hmm. the issue that you have with over restriction is the fact that you start over restricting, then you binge or you overeat and it becomes a cycle of oh crap, I can't handle this anymore. You end up eating too much and it just becomes a big horrible mess. Come back, get back to the basics, just keep get back to ticking your boxes what you did when you were away before you went away. Understand that the three weeks, you're probably not going to get any closer to your fat loss goal if you're still thinking that you need fat to lose more. But you're going to have a good holiday. You're going to enjoy some food. You're going to have a nice time. Probably be sunny. You get a suntan. Happy days. You're laughing. Yeah, I think that... I think what happens a lot of the time is that people always or always have over-restricted after their holiday and they're like, well, that's what works for me. That's what gets me back on track. And I'm like... No, it was it was the time that got you back on track. Like it was the time, not the over restriction. Like if you simply get back and start implementing the behaviors you're implementing now, leave it a week, leave it maybe two weeks, and you'll be back to where you were. Whereas what most people have just always assumed that the reason they got results was because they came back and they were like, Oh, well, as soon as I get back, no carbs for me, only eating twelve hundred calories a day. It's just massively unenjoyable. You don't need to do it. It's also that's you know, but at the time of year at the moment where we've probably got another week before a lot of people fall off their New Year's resolutions, because New Year's resolutions are generally restrict the hell out of my diet for the net as as long as I can manage before realizing that I cannot do this anymore and going, fuck it, I'm done. I'm going back to doing what I was doing before because this is not enjoyable. So rather than restricting and going mental, just come back, get back on track, ease back into things, don't go nuts and just just the, take the time that it's take the time that you get to or you need to get to where you want to be yeah aye 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 right is that all of the ones on the post uh we still have 451 <laughs> oh we've still got more okay yeah go ahead there's one on the live oh, I'll, re- I'll try and read it here we go <laughs> You'd be better than me. No, um, well, okay. You said less Lisa, please don't, please don't stress me, guys. Okay, <laughs> I'm trying my best. Lisa. Well, well, well. Jonathan Wass. I'm so glad that I heard you. No, I'm, just, I, I'm so glad that I heard you guys discuss imperfect action. Still getting over COVID. Found walks a challenge. Uh, so I have focused on steps this week, and I hope I can get back to exercise next week. There was a time where I would have rushed back to the detriment of my own house. I liked the point you made about the steps. I tried to get 10,000 on Tuesday and then I got so tired. COVID sucks. Yes, COVID sucks, but I'm so proud and happy to hear the way that you're dealing with it instead of like trying to get back to things straight away or overindulging. Or I think I know this is really hard, but the only way is to be really patient with yourself re-covid lisa's lisa's one of my one-to-one clients and right, that'd be why she's so great then but she's she's had a she's had a lot on over the past few months like there's been some real ups and downs and the biggest thing that you that it can say about about her is the fact that she's stayed consistent and tried to stay in control of what she can manage and she's done it like then you know that's kind of what kind of what you want people to do is 
understand that there's there's things that are within your control and then there's other bits of life that just isn't in control and they're the kind of things that you've got to be a bit more flexible around so I kind of rope as the age-old saying is roll with the punches and um, but do the best that you can and do the best they can with the time that you've got at, the, at what's going or what's going on around you and she's done that she's kind of embraced that and she's ticking the boxes that she can tick and she keeps ticking more boxes because things start to ease off a little bit and she can do more things and that's exactly what you want to do well done lisa life is a roller coaster i was thinking of ronan <laughs> just gotta ride it okay i need you <laughs> right okay stop both lost me like i feel like i've been drinking now like as soon as we get to like almost an hour on a live, I'm a bit like delirious. <laughs> so, so yeah, the fact you've had about nine hours of calls back to back this morning. I've had three calls back to back. Um, just did an hour answering questions on the EC method. Now I'm going to do a live straight after this on on Instagram because you know what? I hustle hard and I give a lot of value. It's just the person I am. Yeah, bro. It's, it's all about the grind. It's all about the grind. <laughs> I know I'm a grinder. I think I was meant to say I'm a hustler <laughs> next question oh, I don't know if I can read this um, so uh, what's new <laughs> put the champagne oh, down gosh <laughs> Harsh but fair. <laughs> <laughs> totally. This is a long one as well. Um, it's decision time for me, not for me. Um, warning, short question, longish post. Um, I'm sticking to all non-negotiables other than calories. Uh, for reasons I don't understand, I can't stop eating in the evening, which is frustrating and clearly not supporting my goal of fat loss. I'm so cross with myself. I am a single parent to a lovely 14 year old, have a fab full-time job, being able to keep my MS under control, keep up, uh, get up at six every day to do my exercise, having done so for years. So why, oh, why can't I stop eating in the evening at the moment? My question, do I carry on and move on to commit to six? Or I think, I think she means committed or save the money and sort out my head. I figure even the lovely and talented Shona Denovan coaching can't get into my head and stop me from putting too much food into my mouth only I can and I seem to be failing to do so oh good question uh and I think this will resonate with a lot of people and the first thing you need to do is stop telling yourself you can't because when you break this down it's absolutely not an ability problem that's not to say it's easy and it's not to say it's just as easy as just stop eating in the evening it's not that easy but it is that simple right and as soon as you break down the barrier of I can do this and I am completely capable of doing this that is like your first step to actually believing that you can and then I would say take it one day at a time like you need to prove yourself that prove to yourself that you can do this now so now you've told yourself that you can prove to yourself that you can even like little mind games that I don't know sometimes I'll play with with my own mind like this a little bit but it might just be as simple as saying you can eat whatever you want the next morning but tonight you're not going to overeat like you're going to have your dinner you're going to drink a cup of tea and then you're not going to eat for the rest of the night and you can even frame it in your head as 
I only need to do this tonight. Tomorrow night, you can overeat again. But I just need you to do it for one night to prove to yourself that you can. And honestly, as soon as you start doing that and as soon as you start celebrating that as a win and realizing, actually, once you do it, realizing I probably could do that most nights. And then, oh, I probably could do that every night. And that, like, essentially telling yourself you're going to do something and then showing up for yourself and developing that trust in yourself and proving to yourself that this story that you're telling yourself that you can't not overeat in the evening is not true and is certainly not helpful to be telling yourself. So I want you to start by trying that. If you feel like you need some extra like therapy support, absolutely go and get that. You will always be welcome back here. And if we're not the right support system for you at the moment, go and get that help and you're more than welcome back anytime. But also try this in the meantime. Like, I think, I know that you can do that. I think that, you know, another really good form of therapy in many ways is journaling, is writing it down, is figuring out, you know, there are so many reasons that people overeat in the evening. Sometimes it's numbing emotion. And part of the reason that happens in the evening is because you're busy all day. Like you're busy doing stuff all day. And that you'll notice this, like no matter what you're going through, really the evenings are the hardest time, whether that's like grief that you've lost someone, whether it's a breakup, whether you're just feeling a bit low about yourself. The evening is the worst time because everything slows down and you don't have stuff to distract you. And then often you're like, hmm, how will I distract myself? Oh, okay, I'll eat. That will distract me. And that's often a coping mechanism for people. But you could also, you know, write about it or think about it or go and speak to someone about it. Or maybe you can do something else in the evening, like plan something else. Even if, you know, that could be watching your favorite TV program. It could be having a bath. It could be really setting yourself like an evening routine so that you're not just hoping that that won't happen in the evening you're setting yourself up for success you're like at such and such a time I'm gonna have dinner and then after dinner I'm gonna wash up the dinner I'm gonna go for a quick walk and then I'm gonna sit down with my book or and then I'm gonna read to my child or and then I'm gonna you know whatever it is that is important to you to do in the evening like set yourself a routine up for doing that which most people don't do they just kind of hope that that will fall into place you won't always have to do that it might seem initially quite like regimented and over restrictive and oh I just like to relax in the evening right but actually like at the moment overeating in the evening is causing you stress and unhappiness it's not relaxing anymore so we need to get over that we need to change that behavior the other reason that people overeat in the evening is because they're over restricting during the day which in some ways is a much easier fix of okay like let's have a look at your diet and how you are consuming food are you over restricting during the day is now a good time to be dieting or should we take away all restriction from calories, maybe increase those calories, encourage you to eat a little bit more so that you don't end up overeating in the evening. And then maybe we can come back to dieting at another point. Once we've dealt with this, there are so many ways to do it. And obviously Shona will be able to advise you more closely because she's got your background and can talk to you one-to-one. But those would be my thoughts you've nailed it (laughs) silence to say nothing to add stunning stunning okay Uh, we have two more questions on the thread should we leave them for next time let's uh, yeah let's leave them for next time okay okay that was excellent i very much enjoyed that 
thank you both for your fantastic brains and if anyone wants to join up for coaching head over to esgfitness.co.uk